in a world filled with information. Where do you turn to get straight talk about retirement, investments, and your money? Lock it in to the longest-running financial talk show in Arkansas and let us help you build the bridge between information and application. Real financial change begins right here, and it starts with you. It's showtime! On today's show, hot inflation data released this week. We'll have an update on the markets and the economy, plus the challenges for the sandwich generation, keeping your goals in mind while caring for others. This is the Get Ready for the Future show. Whether it's online, on radio, or on podcast, we are glad to have you along for the Get Ready for the Future show. My name is Scott Inman, along with me, John Shrewsbury, and Tim Key for another edition today. And lots to talk about. We have definitely been keeping our finger on the pulse of the economy and the markets in pretty much all of 2022, guys. Obviously, this has been a very prolonged downturn for uh, investors to have to get through, slog through in many ways. And so we are spending a little more time in recent months looking at the data and kind of giving some reassurance and perspective through all of this. The big number that was released this week, and as we uh, go on the air on live stream and record for our other platforms, it was actually just released a few hours ago. So it's still very generally uh, discussed. We haven't seen under the hood too much yet, but we've done our best before showtime to talk a little bit about this. Inflation. Uh, in the year over year, the, this is June inflation, June of 2022 compared to June of 2021, our increase in the overall cost of goods, or at least a large basket of uh, goods and services, was up 9.1%. Huge number. Um, higher than the expected consensus of 8.8%. So again, uh, the market's a little rattled by that initially, although they are coming off their lows a little bit as we speak on the trading day today moving forward. So let's kind of talk a little bit about that because, John, we've both had a chance to look at this. The Fastest Four, by the way, uh, which is a part of our radio broadcast, and you can sign up to be a part of it in your email inbox by texting the word FAST to 501-381-5228, 501-381-5228. We're going to talk about it extensively on today's uh, Fastest Four Minutes in Finance, but let's talk a little bit about it here. What did you see in the numbers, John? Well, I, I think this is a, a lot like, you know, when you go to – I love going to watch the Razorbacks play, so I, I go to the game. And then I get back to my car and I turn the radio on and somebody's going, hey, the final score was, I know what the final score was. I was there through the game. I, I, I knew what was happening in the game. I saw the game. I played it almost in the game. You know, <laughs> Felt like you did. Felt yeah. like I did. And now somebody's telling me the final score. That's right. what this inflation number is. We all felt the higher prices in April, May, and June, and it really kind of reared its ugly head in June. But what they're not telling you today is the fact that prices have begun to moderate in July. We've seen gas prices come down. We've seen commodity prices come down. We've seen lumber prices come down. Uh, a lot of things are beginning to moderate. And so is it happy days are here again? Eh, probably not, but right. uh, we're still going to have a higher level of inflation. But I think that, you know, this is kind of like telling you what did happen, not what's going to happen. Yeah, and if you take out the highly volatile food and gas prices gas prices went up 
almost 60% year over year, an incredible number. So that is really driving a lot of this. And, you know, that is what people pay for. I mean, I always, I always temper saying, hey, take out the food and gas because that's what we spend our money on. It is very yeah. important. But in a perspective sense, taking a look at everything across the board, we're not up at a 9% clip by any means. And there, we really are. We're using the term inflection point. We're really at an inflection point in the economy and that's where markets are kind of on hold right now tim if you look you know we've talked about this you and i many days we've started off a trading day in the green and ended up red or vice versa we've started in the red and ended up green i think there's probably good proof out there that we found a bottom in this current downturn but we may hover here for a little bit because the market just doesn't know which way to go right now yeah the market's certainly looking for a bottom whether we found it or not um we'll know probably soon but yeah one of the first things i do every morning I pull up Yahoo Finance and I look and see are the futures red or green on my yep. on my app and but here lately these last few weeks we've started out big negative or big positive and ended up the day going the other direction so the market's really still trying to find itself and there's mm-hmm. a lot of news out there inflation being one interest rates are probably going to go up another 75 basis points here at the end of the month by the Fed and there's just a lot of things and I think it's kind of funny you know we talk about the core inflation and i think it was 5.1 percent and it was a little bit lower and it's come down a little bit but who doesn't buy gas and groceries yeah i mean so we have to include those and and especially the gas prices i know it's you know we're kind of happy that we we're seeing gas under four dollars a gallon right now but mm. you know it's kind of sad that we're saying we're seeing gas at four under four dollars a gallon <laughs> yeah, too right, so right. but um yeah there's a lot of things that um, are moving right now there's a lot of news the headlines are still negative i think everyone piles onto it so the market is trying to find its bottom. Hopefully, we'll find that um, in the next month or two, if um, if not sooner, and, and get to move forward. Now, right behind this inflation data, John, we're going to see some earnings start to come out from corporations. Yep. And that's really the connecting point that we haven't had yet. Inflation has not driven down overall uh, corporate earnings because people, yep. consumers so far have weathered the storm. Now, we know that can't happen forever. And that's why we've got to get this inflation under control but it's still too soon to really say it's going to wreck the economy. Yeah, and I, you know, as long as earnings hold up, the the economy uh, and the market itself is is literally going to react to those earnings. Yes, it will react to nine point one percent inflation. It did for a little while today, but it's it's bounced back. And I and in that intraday uh, trading is a little bit encouraging to me to have that much inflation and the market's mm-hmm. not selling off and staying down. Right. I think that's good. But I think the big thing, Scott, that I love. About about where we are right now is not necessarily what's going on in the economy, but what's going on in the heads of our clients. Because are we getting a few calls or emails about, hey, is everything okay? Do I need to be doing anything or anything of that mm-hmm. nature? But but for the most part, everybody has great perspective. And mm-hmm. I think the perspective has got to be a long-term perspective. Yep. You know, uh, I was just noticing, I, I'd love to, to kind of look at things in, in a different way. And I look at, you know, the last six months have been terrible. But if you go back for the last five years, the S&P 500 has made a nice climb. Uh, If you take out the anomaly of the downturn that we had with COVID and then the big run up in reaction to the reopening from COVID, uh, there has been progress going forward. And I think if you think about this in a general term, 
are we progressing forward in in the big picture, then we're still doing that. We're still moving forward, even though we've had a pretty significant setback from the high. But that high was actually an anomaly in and of itself. Yeah. And I think this should be a really good learning point for investors that if you need to spend money, money you have in the next six to eight months, maybe even, let's say, a year or two, you don't need to be in the stock market with those funds. We don't plan for our retirement clients that way, right? The early buckets that we talk about on the Get Ready for the Future show, those are not invested in equities. In fact, in many uh, situations, they are powder dry. They are in cash so that you know your monthly income is not going to be affected by the day-to-day, the month-to-month in the market. And if you are invested in equities, you always have to remember that they are long-term instruments to achieve a long-term goal. And this, what's happened in the markets in 2022 doesn't mean it's going to happen forever. And if you've ridden the elevator down, the last thing you want to do is get off on the lower floor before it goes back up to the higher floors. Yeah, I was going to mention that because a lot of people are receiving their second quarter or June statements in the mail right now. Um, or maybe you've been scared and finally went out online and saw that your balance is down maybe 8% for the month of June or almost 15% um, for the second quarter if you've been invested in equities. Mm-hmm. And now is the wrong time to jump off that elevator. You've ridden it down. I know a lot of people will see the balance go down and they, it's like I can't take any more and they'll move it out and they'll move it to something safe. But when that re- correction, um, re- when that um market starts moving forward again, you don't want to miss that. Yeah. And I think we've got enough experience on our team to have been through this movie before. And we've seen those mistakes before. And we know those are the critical mistakes. I call it portfolio destruction. You're blowing up your portfolio. Now you may be asking, well, why do I even bother with these equities? They're way up and they're way down and they're so you know mercurial. What do I do with this? The reason that you want to stay in equities and the reason that we invest a portion of our clients' money in equities is because equities and real estate are the only two asset classes that long-term have beaten, here's the key word, inflation. Right. you got to have an answer for inflation. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to have an answer for inflation, and that's equities, you're going to have some volatility. But volatility is not necessarily a bad thing. Volatility is a price worth paying to stay ahead of inflation. And when you look at the long-term trend of your equity portfolio, it should be the one thing, along with real estate, if you hold real estate, that has kept you ahead of things as far as prices are concerned. So let's kind of dig into that a little bit before we uh, get on to the rest of the content in today's show. When you talk about why, the why, why do you need to have an investment that outpaces inflation? Well, the answer is buying power because eventually, guys, you're going to turn these assets into income in retirement. And you're going to not only do that, but during the course of a potential 20-year retirement, maybe 25-year retirement, you're going to need to increase the income you receive in day one later in that time span. So you've got to remain, even in retirement, with a portion of your assets, Tim, uh, invested in equities. Yeah, when we plan, we plan for monthly income. And the monthly income that you're going to get when you retire at 60, 65, whatever the age is, in 10, 15 years, you're going to want more income coming in to really just continue the standard of living you're used to, mm-hmm. because it will not buy the same amount of goods as it did 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah. And we see that in all kinds of things now, gas prices and some things um, kind of go back and forth. But groceries, I think we've all seen that at the grocery store that 
I hear from my wife all the time. You need to go do the shopping if you're going to complain about how much we're spending. So <laughs> it's, I oh, hope she's listening. Today. She probably will, won't she? Um, oh, um, tell we, now, we now know <laughs> how show. things roll at the at the Tim Key household. It's a yeah, show it's, Lori does not want to miss. It's, That's it's it rough, and I have learned not to say anything about that <laughs> but anymore. You just did. I did on the radio, right? So I've learned uh, not to say it at home. But okay. uh, anyway. Yeah. You know, things are more expensive everywhere, whether it's cars, whether it's clothes. I mean, it is hard to keep your spending under control. And I know over a period of time, it's just going to get harder. So we we have to have pay raises during retirement, just like you get pay raises with your work at your job today. So how should you respond to those really big inflation numbers that all the talking heads are rattling about? I think we just said it, right? Stay invested in the asset classes that have historically outpaced inflation so that you can increase your buying power when you reach retirement. We just did, I'll give you a great uh, case in point. Tim and I just met uh, with a couple, began planning for them uh, earlier this week, in fact, and we ran some scenarios of if they uh, they're actually going through a career change. Uh, one of the one of the members of the um, family is going through a career change and is not able currently to contribute to uh, a retirement plan. So we took their asset level now and projected what it may grow to in the next was it eight or nine years that they were planning to retire without adding anything to it. And that's not the overall plan. The hope is they'll get back on their feet to a point where they can re- contribute to a retirement plan. But if they don't, here's what they'll end up with at retirement. And here's the amount of monthly income that would produce when you account for Social Security and other income sources. And it came out to $9,500 gross income per month. Now, that sounds pretty good in today's dollars, right? But eight or nine years from now, and certainly we don't expect 9% inflation for that entire duration. We're going to go down. Historic uh, history tells us that. But $9,500 eight or nine years from now is not going to buy what $9,500 does today. So that is, I think... A real good case in point to show them that they need to continue to add to their retirement savings. Uh, guys, I, I think everybody would like to have some good news. Would you like to have some good news? <laughs> I thought we were trying to get there today. Well, yes. well uh, this will get us there. Okay. Here's the estimate. This is just from in from our friend Mary Beth Franklin, who is a contributing editor to Investment News. All this inflation basically is going to mean somewhere around an estimated 10% increase in Social Security. So let's think about the the impact of that on our ready-to-retire clients. When we think about how we model income in the flooring and bucketing strategy that we use here at GenWealth, at no time do we ever project there to be a 10% increase in their Social Security. Right. Yeah, we usually use a 1% or 2% at the most and yeah. because we just don't expect it. And we also know that the cost of Medicare that they charge you on Social Security usually goes up. And we saw a big hike on that last year. And we'll probably see another one. But a 10% increase is going to be a big impact on a lot of people's checks. But it's still just barely keeping up with the 9.1% inflation we've got now. But then when you look at, at the actual effect of that on their income stream, yes, they will have more income coming in from Social Security. That puts less pressure yep on their buckets, if you will, because the uh, income that they have, as far as their their basic living expenses are concerned, that's all locked in and guaranteed. The buckets are things that that are going to, you know, supplement income if you need it. And Social Security will be able to take some pressure off of that arrangement. It highlights how the mechanics all work together in a ready-to-retire client's plan. I mean, really, that's what it boils down to. Stocks have been bad in 2022. 
Bonds have been bad in 2022. Real estate has been good in 2022. And now we're seeing maybe some fixed income increases on the Social Security side, right? Your guaranteed income might go up and it did go up in 2022. And it looks like it's going to go up again in 2023. So all of it is in balance if you have a diversified investment strategy. Hey, if you don't have an advisor that is orchestrating all of this, if you think about this, you're, you're bringing this in at this time, this in at this time, when you have this, more of this, you have less of this, mm-hmm. that's a complex plan. Yep. And that's how we plan at GenWealth. If you're not experiencing that with your advisor, you probably need to to check up and, and say, okay, how do I get that? And you can do that by simply giving us a call and sitting down with one of our advisors to uh, walk through the ready to retire process. All right. So speaking of complex, there is this term called the sandwich generation and their lives are complex. You're <laughs> very, you're <laughs> caught in the middle. So to speak, they it's defined as middle-aged Americans bringing up their children, whether they're still in school or paying for their college currently, like Tim and I are, while at the same time having to care for aging parents and what causes a big problem in their retirement plan because they often take their retirement and set it on the back burner and have no goals for retirement or don't uh, try to achieve those goals actively because of the expense level that exists on both sides generationally. So let's talk a little bit about that, getting inside of that. Now, this uh, this data said that it's mostly Gen X clients, and Gen X is described as being born in 1980, I think, to is it 95? I think it goes all the way up to 95. I think so. 95, 96. I was born in 73. Um, and, I, you know, my kids, I have I have one at home still, and I have three in college right now. So I think I'm still considered the sandwich generation. My, yes. My parents well, are, are living and uh, not needing much care right now, but they're in their 70s. Well, right? and, and I've been through the, the sandwich, if you will. It's not necessarily generational. It, it really is just your situation in life. If you've got yeah. aging parents and you've got kids – then your attention is split. Mm-hmm. You're being tugged and you're sandwiched between those two uh, needs that that you need to respond to. And it literally is one of the toughest times in life. I know I struggled a lot with it. My parents are gone now, but uh, it is a very, very hard time to juggle you know, what's going on at the house with the kids and the activities and the ball games and the homework and all of that. And oh, by the way, mom or dad, can't do all the things that they used to be able to do. And I've got to go over there and take care of this. And that takes time away from that nuclear family that you're responsible for. Yeah, there's so many more responsibilities that come onto your plate. And actually, I just looked up Gen X. It's 1965 to 1980. So we're definitely... Oh, I was... Really? We are Gen X. We are Gen X. I had the the wrong generation there. So it is our generation. Now, 10 years from now, it'll be a Gen Y or whatever the next generation is. I am Gen X. I was thinking millennials. I transposed millennials there for some reason. You're right. Gen X is us. That's 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 us. So so yeah, we've got kids. I've got a 15-year-old and a 19-year-old that I'm taking care of, trying to get one through college and the other in the high school and and so I've got that responsibility and then um, we've got Lori's mom that lives in town and um, we are spending time with her she's de- definitely capable and lives on her own and and does all that so we don't have a lot of uh, she doesn't have a lot of needs that um, we have to meet financially or anything like that and but a lot of people do a lot of people are taking their parents to um, a lot of hospital visits and doctors you know call offices and things like that and sometimes you're having to because Social Security just isn't enough and there wasn't good planning going on maybe with your parents, you're actually coming out financially and helping them there. And so there are a lot of choices and priorities that have to be made um, and met. So 
um, being able to have a plan and making sure that your plan is geared toward making sure that you're going to be okay and then sequencing that to either your kids or your parents or whatever it is is very important yeah i think it's important to think of this as you you still have to consider it an expense and it has to be budgeted for as best you can and i know that seems like a runaway train right if you're living this right now and you've got college on one side or uh child care if both spouses work and then you've got health care needs long-term care needs uh facing you on the other side with your parents and you're in that sandwich generation but you have to consider that as part of your budget as possible as much as possible and prepare ahead of time for those expenses so that they don't have to come out of your monthly budget. So we're going to give you a couple of things here to consider. And I know that if you're already there, it may be difficult to squeeze out the dimes to make this happen. But if you if you are in a place where you can consider it or begin to do it, I think these things make sense. So let's talk about the college side first, uh, or really any um, even secondary private school needs, as the case were. You may have heard of a 529 plan. Very commonly thrown around there. Uh, our, most of our clients have at least heard of it, but they don't really understand the dynamics of it. So let's talk about the advantages. And I don't know that I'd go full on and say disadvantage here, John, but it is definitely something clients need to know about and maybe consider other options. But a 529 plan is built just for educational purposes. You as a parent or even a grandparent can make contributions into this 529 plan and it is a great tax advantage for you to do so on the front end if you are contributing into a plan in which uh, the state administers and you live in that state. In other words, the Arkansas gift plan is the 529 plan that is run here. If you live in the state of Arkansas and you contribute to the Arkansas gift plan, there's a tax deduction for up to $10,000 for a married couple to put money into that on an annual basis. So you get a tax deduction on the front end on your state income taxes, and then if the money is pulled out for qualified educational expenses for that child, it is tax-free for uh, tuition, for even things outside of that like computers. But there is a list that is restrictive on what uh, a qualified education expense is. Yeah, and, and there are a lot of uh, what-ifs, uh, we'll mm -hmm. call them, in a 529 plan. And we're going to talk about some other alternatives here on that. But a 529 plan is specifically for college. Uh, you can put up to like $250,000 in it. Uh, contributions uh, can be applied on an annual basis or a monthly basis or whatever the case may be. And as Scott said, it is literally tax-free. Of course, you've already paid tax on the money going in, uh, but the earnings that as they come out are tax-free. Now, that has to be spent for college. And, and you have all kinds of issues if that is not spent for college. You get a 10% penalty if it's not spent for college. And the IRS is pretty good at, at going back and checking those things. I've had several clients say that they check they, they actually check them as far as their 529 expenses are concerned. So you've got that. You've got a, a Coverdale savings account, which also is a, a very similar to a 529 plan, except your contribution limits are only $2,000 in the Coverdale. A lot of our clients, Scott, just invest in mutual funds that are jointly held by the husband and wife because they've got, they maintain control over that money. There's right. no restrictions on how they spend it. They don't get the tax benefits that you outlined with the 529, but they have more control and less restrictions. Yeah, free of the penalties. Yeah, yes. you have a lot more flexibility at that point too. Mm -hmm. Now, the 529, if your child doesn't go to college or 
Um, they don't use all the money. There, there are a lot of availability to pass that on to another sibling, to a cousin. It has to be a relative, but that relative list is, I mean, pretty pretty, expensive. pretty yeah, broad. Expensive, so. yes. It's a family reunion type it's, list. It's a family reunion. Right? Oh, I know yeah. Joe. I saw him three years ago. <laughs> exactly. But you have to ask yourself, are you really interested in, in uh, funding your cousin's college education <laughs> yeah. or yeah. something like that? Right. But, but here's the thing I think a lot of people think about. They don't know early on whether their kid's going to go to college or not. Right. And college is not necessarily for everybody. Do they want to have the flexibility to give them that money when they want to give it to them, have control of it until they want to give it to them, and then give it to them to do things like maybe start a business or buy a house or whatever the, the laundry list might be to get started in life. 529 plans don't get you started in life. They pay for college. And a mutual fund or some other type investment that grows and you pay taxes on the earnings over time and you can have ways of limiting that by picking the investments that you fund that mutual fund with. But at any rate, there is a lot of options for this. And I think it, it really does depend on the the client or the parent's temperament what they want to do and how much control they want to have over that. One other uh, type of account we could mention here is the UGMA or the UTMA. Uh, the UTMA is the Uniform Transform to Minors Act, which is just the law that created this option for an account. We, I don't think I, I've never opened one for a client, but I have onboarded some clients who already had one. And so I've had to deal with the complexities of that. And many times, well, the thing you should know, first of all, about those type of accounts is it is the child's money. You are just custodian of that account until they reach the age of majority, which in Arkansas is 21. So in other words, if you create an account and that's meant to be for college, when that child turns 21, it's their money and there is really nothing you can do about it. So that really relinquishes control. Uh, It does allow you to use it for other things other than uh, qualified education expenses, but it also allows them to go to the casino if they want to, right? So, I mean, you have to really be careful about how you hand the keys over there. But I want to talk a little bit, too, guys, about the the win you should be looking at here as far as a 529, as far as just a general plan for your child's college education expenses. To our point earlier, if you're in the sandwich generation, you need to make sure you're still funding your retirement first. We're big believers in this. We want you to help your child, and it is a great, great idea to get your child through college with no student loan debt. I want that for my children as well. But think about how this works if you you do that at the expense of your retirement. Say you cut off uh, your contributions to your 401k, but it's just, just for those four or five years that you're trying to save for your child's college or whatever the case may be, and you don't get that employer match and you get off track for retirement. When you reach retirement, there is no financial aid coming for you in retirement, and you're going to be potentially dependent on your children to help you when you reach retirement and have those health care issues, those long-term care issues. So, it's a noble thing to try to keep your kid from having student loan debt. But think about on the back end, if you do that and neglect your retirement, it really isn't helping your children out in the long term. Here's a shocker. I worked. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. I worked and paid some tuition uh, bills because my parents couldn't afford it and we didn't want to go into debt. Mm-hmm. And so it it literally was uh, you know a, an old school work through it. And I know a lot of parents don't want their kids to have to have that burden on top of the burden of a college education. But, but Tim, there's if there is a will, there is a way when it comes to college, and it doesn't have to derail your plan as far as your retirement is concerned. Yeah, I didn't go to the one or two schools I really wanted to go to because the tuition and the living expenses 
were going to be a lot more than my parents could ever afford. Yeah, right. And I didn't want to have to be burdened with it for a long period of time. So I went to a, a small liberal arts college and um, I turned out just fine, I believe. Um, yeah, <laughs> jury's still out. Yeah, jury's still out. We'll ask, we'll ask Lori, but we won't ask her today. Don't ask her today, right? <laughs> yeah. so, Especially but, if she's listening to the show. <laughs> but I went to a school that was offering the most scholarships and it was going to cost me as, as little as possible because, I mean, it doesn't really matter that much what school you go to. The, the pedigree, I've been asked a few times where I've gone to school, but it's never been during a job interview. So. Yeah. So I I don't I think we have to be careful on where we send our child to school and if we're going to send this send our child to a sixty thousand dollar a year school over a twenty thousand dollar a year school we have to have prepared for it we don't want to take on that burden and we definitely don't want to stop our retirement planning um, because we can never catch up and it's going to be one of those things that we need to make sure that we're early on in the game as far as saving and be consistent in it on the other side of i'm sorry did no you no i was actually going to go there. transition yep. okay on the other side of the sandwich generation is caring for aging parents a record 42 million americans are serving as caregivers for an aging parent or loved one and among the 54 million americans 65 and older 70% will require long-term care services at some point that's according to the consulty seniorly I'm not sure what they are, but they have created this report. But we've heard that before from other places. 70% will require long-term care. So there's the big expense in caring for uh, aging parents is you do get a lot of your health care paid for if they're 65 and older through Medicare, but you don't get the long-term care paid for. Medicare is only going to be helping out for the 90 days, the first 90 days of that. So long-term care has to be addressed uh, for yourself and hopefully before your parents are in that need, because it's going to be too cost prohibitive then, but that's got to be a big part of someone's overall financial plan too. Scott, I think a lot of people uh, really get lulled into a false sense of security with their parents. They think their dad is, you know, 10 feet tall and bulletproof and mom's always been, you know, the one that held the family together and made all the lunches and all that type of thing. And, and both of them look like superheroes, hmm. but they are human. And they will fail from a health standpoint at some point in time in high likelihood. And if they are, if they do not have the means to take care of that, then guess who that falls to? It falls to one of the kids. And I think it makes a lot of sense that if the parents can't afford long-term care insurance, that maybe the kids get together and buy long-term care insurance for them because it's either going to cost you in terms of time and effort and money and all the things that that burdens you with in your overall financial plan, or it's going to cost you a little bit of money as far as long-term care is concerned, relatively uh, a little bit of money, comparatively speaking. But I think that that's something that far too few families have that kind of discussion with the siblings and, and the parents to say, how are we going to address this issue as far as it uh, concerns our parents? And I think that's something that could go a long way toward uh, relieving some of the pressure that the sandwich generation gets under in times like this. That was the thing I was going to bring up too, John, is that the conversation needs to be had. And so often kids, uh, I say kids, middle-aged Americans like Tim and I, who do have elderly parents or parents who are aging, they don't have that conversation of their financial situation. They may not even know if they have a long-term care uh, policy. So they do have to have that conversation and create a plan. It all comes back to the plan. It's all about the plan. And it's hard seeing your parents grow old. Um, and I think sometimes, like John said, you know, you see them as being bulletproof and 10 feet tall. And the next thing you know, you look at them, it's like, 
Wow. What happened? What the years are caught up with them. Yeah. And by that time, it's probably too late for the long-term care coverage because we're really looking at the sweet spot of when they're 55 to 60 for buying that. So we've got to take a step back and we're going to be in our 30s, probably um, early 40s when we're looking at buying that coverage for our parents. And so, but then that's our busiest time. We're we're trying to keep up with kids. We're doing all kinds of other things, the ball games. Next thing you know, yeah, you you turn around and your, your parents are older. Well, if you think about the cost of, of home health care versus the cost of you going and actually performing that care yourself, then the cost of a long-term care policy is really minor uh, compared to yeah. the, the cost of time and the cost of money for you to go over there and do it or the cost of you shelling it out when you have a need because your parents can't meet that need. So I think that's that's a great conversation. And and Scott, I think it's great uh, that there's a great opportunity for people uh, to have that conversation with our long-term care specialist here at GenWealth, Tony Contorno. Tony is, is wonderful at sorting through all the maze of things that are out there as far as long-term care is concerned. Uh, he can sit down with the family and really help to structure a plan that will address these needs. And that is how you really uh, try to overcome this pressure that you're under under the sandwich generation. You're still going to have the pressure of raising kids, but if you kind of take care of that college thing and kind of take care of that long-term care thing, then that actually relieves some of the financial pressure that could be upon you in a big way. And you can schedule a long-term care review with Tony by texting LTC to 501-381-5228. Again, text LTC to 501-381-5228. We'll tell you again about that in just a moment. As you hear the final bell ring, it is time for our final thoughts, and Tim, we'll start with you. Well, I think we talked about quite a bit today, and whether it's the young kids or whether it's your your parents and or whether it's about you, I think the big thing is you need to take care of yourself first and make sure that the priorities are set so that you're taking care of your retirement so you don't become a burden to your children, but then also try to make room to be able to help them through college and, and give the care you need to give um, to your parents. Guys, I think that whether you're talking about inflation and the markets or you're talking about the sandwich generation and long-term care issues and 529 and college education plans, here's the deal. Education is the antidote to fear. And you don't need to be fearful of what's going on in the economy right now. You don't need to be fearful about this whole sandwich generation thing. Get help. And education is part of what we do here at GenWealth. If you're an educated uh, consumer, you're going to be better off. And we walk you through that in the in the planning process here at GenWealth. And I think, Scott, that that is clearly one of the biggest things that someone can do is to be sure that they are educated about these things. We quickly ran through the, the college planning options. Yeah. There's way more to it than what we could just communicate on the show today. There's way more to this sandwich generation generation thing than what we could communicate on the show today. Take a little bit of time, educate yourself with a GenWealth advisor, and we can help you through it. My final thought is the GenWealth Ready to Retire process helps you create a written plan, and that written plan will include ways to maximize Social Security, considering a hybrid retirement, protect against inflation. We talked about that today. Secure guaranteed lifetime income, plan for long-term care, and defend against taxes. Is your written plan prepared in all of those ways? If not, reach out to a GenWell Financial Advisor 
and get a review and a plan going today. That is going to do it for this week's show. Again, we really appreciate you listening, watching, wherever you get the Get Ready for the Future show, and we will talk to you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Get Ready for the Future show. If you enjoy hearing from the Gen Wealth team every week, make sure and subscribe to the podcast. And you can always find us on social media. Search for Gen Wealth Financial Advisors on Facebook or on Twitter at Gen Wealth FA. The Gen Wealth Financial team is available to you 24 7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 866 653 PLAN. That's 866-653-7526. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment, and no strategy can assure success. GenWealth Financial Advisors is an Arkansas-registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIPC.